Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and tonight I'm not only joined by my two co-hosts, Steve and Matt, we're also joined by the venerated Pete Lattimore, Game Master for Flint and Steel and producer of Garblad Games. Welcome, Pete, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Pete, why don't you tell us and our listeners a bit about yourself, uh, who you are, and what you do in the gaming community. Sure. Thanks, Steve. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, It's really cool to be on the podcast. I've been listening to you guys for a while, and it's a great show, so it's nice to be on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I've been gaming for about 30 years now, and most of that's been running games, and I set up a role-playing club in St. Albans, my hometown, about 16 years ago. I was working in a bookshop, and I convinced the manager that we should sell Dungeons & Dragons and other things. And then I got promoted and got the keys to the shop and eventually set up a club. And it's kind of moved around the town, but we've got about 60 people uh, who come to the club on and off. A couple of years ago, I decided that I'd turn it into an actual play uh, YouTube channel which kind of went through a few phases. We did it in a pub. I did it in my shed. You know, it was all kind of one-man band kind of thing, which was a lot of fun. Now we've got the studio, about 20 people who play on the show. We're just about to hit 1,100 subscribers, and we've got a growing Discord and Patreon community. It's, it's absolutely amazing. All that support goes straight back into the channel, so anything from our Patreon we put right back into equipment and games for the show i'm really proud now of what we're putting out the sound's good the video's good it's got to a stage where i'm i'm quite pleased to sort of put this out there we i've been watching you for a while and uh your quality is is getting better and better like it's it's uh Mm. it's really good yeah hopefully the games are good as well but anyway well yes Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um i played first edition woofrup uh with my brothers I, I was about 10, maybe 11. I think I was just going to secondary school, we call it in the UK. So I was probably 10 or 11. And we'd played loads of D&D, but we had a load of the Warhammer figures. And then I think one day, either my oldest brother or my dad found this huge hardback book, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, with that savage scene on the front where they're fighting the orcs and the ogres and stuff. You know? Oh, yeah. There's a they dwarf home. dropping his axe right into the chest of a goblin right on the cover beautiful yeah it's like tearing the chain mail open isn't yeah, it with yep, his axe it's yep. like it's awesome yeah it's so dynamic it was like you know when you're 10 or 11 that's like wow look at this it had a bit more of a grown-up setting which i think appealed to me at the time we just had loads of you know loads of fun playing it you know and i played second edition i, I haven't played third edition although i've you know had lots of conversations with people who have and obviously, recently, we've converted to fourth edition on season two of Ben and Steel. Awesome. And actually, that's one of the main reasons you're here. Uh, but before all of that, um, we do like to go over kind of what kind of gaming we've been up to. So let's go around here. And uh, what has everybody been up to gaming wise? So instead of talking about games, well, this is game related, but a fun quick story about something that happened today. Lance, you and I 
uh, and Steve, all of us live in mid Michigan in the U S and there was a little toy fair that was going on here in Jackson, which is where I'm from. And one of the booths at this little toy fair had a bunch of old Warhammer books, supplement books, source books for both role-playing books for the, the tabletop miniatures, different lore books, all sorts of things, even books from other systems that were all from games workshop. One of the books, there was a copy of Warhammer fantasy Roleplay first edition that was still in its original, the plastic cover was still on it. Uh, the plastic cover looked a little beat up, but it, it was in great condition. There was no question. The owner of the shop or the owner of the booth had uh, $55 on it, which isn't an outrageous price by any means, but that was a little out of my price range at the time. Uh, you know, Lance, you kind of in the same boat. We start talking to the guy. We tell him we've got a podcast. We tell him we're recording today and that this is like essentially the Holy Grail or w- w- <laughs> right. one of the Grail books that is that we're going to need in our collection at some point. And as we're getting ready to leave, he kind of stops us and says, hey, how, what if I knock it down to 30? So... At that point, oh, we couldn't man. we couldn't refuse. Yeah, so we we bought a beautiful copy of the first edition hardcover, immaculate shape for thirty bucks today. Yeah, wow. it was really cool. It was a great moment. Definitely one. You lucky it. kid. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. How rare is that? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So shout shout out to Z Dog. Yes. As apparently he goes by. Yeah. So Z Dog. Z Dog in, in the local school district, but. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Z-Dog, I don't know where you got it from, but wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting. It, it will be treated with reverence, Z-Dog, so yeah. thanks. Well, it, for gaming-wise, I actually haven't I haven't been doing a ton of gaming uh, of late. Had a lot of work stuff and all that. I've been doing, I've been prepping. We have a pretty big session coming up for our actual play where a lot of stuff is culminating and going on, so... I've been working on that and I've been working on a map for, you know, the area we're doing it and stuff. So I haven't done a lot of gaming myself, but I've been preparing. I, I think our that episode when it comes out a couple episodes from now is gonna be legit. I'm excited about that. But that's out of, about me for, for this. I'm month. really looking forward to that. By the way, I have to say I've been enjoying our actual play with uh, Heimrich the Servant being put upon all the time and, and <laughs> you know, just the kind of arguments between the party is absolutely great. I'm loving it. Oh, that's, I'm glad you're liking cool. that. Thank you. Yeah. Good, old, good old Heinrich. Heinrich. <laughs> Such a character. We, we're, we're talking about... Jimmy. I love the voice. I love the moment where you had to come up with the voice for Heinrich. That was just... <laughs> that was brilliant. It's like, what's it going to sound like? Um, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was actually a moment where Perfect. I voiced him in a, like perfect mickey mouse voice and i'm pretty sure all that got cut oh yeah i cut that so so if we get if we get enough if we get enough retweets or something then or if if enough people pester lance he'll have to post me doing heinrich in a mickey mouse voice huh (laughs) (laughs) yeah we actually talking about one day maybe having heinrich have his own mini series that we do yeah that'd be where he's like a hero yeah Yeah, spin-off show yeah me, uh, I'm still pretty much in the same situation. Got a baby on the way, so not as much time as I would like for gaming. But I uh, have Papa on the PlayStation 4. Been playing Far Cry 5, you know, kind of in anticipation for that new uh, Far Cry New Dawn. Been painting my Imperial Guard Basilisk. Oh, Should be in combat here maybe uh, in a week or so. That'd I, be nice. I can't wait to hear about that. And I've been messing around with the uh, Final Fantasy trading card game, uh, oh, trying yeah. to build oh, some yeah. decks. We, we recently got some more cards, so it's always fun to recreate decks and theories. <laughs> yeah, you guys snagged uh, some but, of that from Gen yeah. Con, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sure did. Yep. And uh, 
I mean, the cars are nice and everything, and it's just, you know, nostalgic. But uh, that's about it. Pretty much wrapped up since the last time we talked about gaming. What about you, Pete? What have you been up to? Well, obviously, you guys asked me on here to talk about Woofrup, and I'd be remiss not to talk about Flint and Steel. Now, normally, I shout that, but I won't this time because I don't want to deafen your listeners. Or, you know, oh, but I've been looking so pause. forward to it. Yeah, no, no yeah. joke, Lance. Is, I've heard like five times. I can't wait for him to shout Flint and Steel. So, you have our permission if uh, you'd like. Oh, hang on, hang on. All right, hello and welcome to Garblag Games. We're playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Fourth Edition, and this is Flint and Steel. Yes, excellent. It's go. so awesome. There you go. Hopefully, I didn't blow peak or anything or trash the sound. Oh no, but um, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> for your listeners. That's uh, Garblad Games Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay actual play series. So we are currently in season two. And uh, I mean, at the time we're recording this, I just played on Thursday. And our team out of Nuln are trying to find their kidnapped halfling friend, Gunter. And they kind of uh, come across this little village called Armdorf, which is kind of being set upon by various political influences around and some maybe chaos influences nearby. Mm. And they kind of went toe-to-toe with a chaos ogre. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Cool. See, I haven't, I, haven't listen, I haven't seen that one yet. Or listen, I usually listen to once you upload them as a, as a podcast. Because sure, sure. that's how I usually consume. I, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't have time for the, the YouTube um, watching. But I can do it in my car. Yeah, I'm Flint and Steel is is really good. So if you haven't had a chance to go listen um, or or, or watch, watch yeah. right? It's, it's I'm so used to saying it. That <laughs> way. If you haven't had a chance to go watch on YouTube, uh, Flint and Steel, it's it's amazing. Um, I think it's a Bagrick. Is that how you say that? Um, yeah, yeah, Bagrick. Yeah, I think yeah. he's my favorite. Roger. Yeah. Roger plays him so well, and <laughs> and I, when you had your one, I, I might have been a discussion thing. I'm getting a little off track here, but. But he had mentioned when you were talking about like the wrecker, and uh, which I lost that episode, by the way. My, uh, I, mm. I, I did, but he's like, Oh, did he name him Ralph? And I sat there, I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, Oh, no, that would have been perfect. I'm like, I would have won. You know, that's the difference between you winning and losing that. that oh, I know. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So, so tell Roger the next time I do uh, a character creation, I'm going to run my name by him first <laughs> nice. to see if he can. Yeah, absolutely. Will do. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy it. Thank you. Bit. Thank you. We have other shows as well, and I'm I'll we'll we'll have time for that later. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. The Star Trek is one I've been looking. I haven't watched it yet. I've been saving it because I want to watch that one on video. So okay, I just haven't well, had a I chance. I would say to... how much. Oh, well, we've got a cool Elcars display that I created for the overlay. Oh yeah. So I kind of did a bit. I went a bit trekky with it. And if Very you're cool. a real Trekkie fan, it's two hours of Trek nerdiness because that first episode, we're creating what's happened to the galaxy after Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Nemesis. Awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's so cool. So we kind of discuss all the major powers, who's doing what, you know, and, and some cool, weird, different things, you know. And it, it's sort of some of it's what you'd expect and some of it's not. So it's, it's quite cool. And I'm a massive Trekkie. So. I was just like, you know, the quotes are coming out, the references are coming out, and yeah. let's go full Trek, you know. Yeah, I, anyway. I grew up quite a fan of Star Trek but for my first anniversary, and my wife bought me the complete series of Deep Space Nine. Mm, so, so good. Yeah. There we yeah. 
good stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, let's move on to um, announcement and news. Uh, this is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Woofrip and related news. We scour the web for juicy leaks and bits to satiate your Woofrip hunger. And we actually have quite a bit to talk about this. Yeah, week. some really, really good stuff. So first off, uh, Cubicle 7 has updated all of the starter set files that you can get through. If you have that pre-ordered, you can get them through DriveThruRPG. All of those have been updated, and it's been sent to the printer. So what you get from there is pretty much final. I don't think there's going to be any other changes, which is exciting. They've also released a lot of pictures so we can see exactly what all the tokens look like, exactly what all of the what that product is going to entail. So we are... Very excited about that. Our last episode, we did a review of it with T.S. Lucart from Cubicle 7. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and give that a listen. Yeah, and if you haven't picked up the pre-ordered that starter set yet and you play 4th edition, you need to do it. It's, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, it looks like it came together extremely well. I'm, I'm really happy with it. From what we can see and what we know about it, it seems to definitely be worth the cost. So. Right. Um, another great thing that we uh, just received a few days ago is the official errata for Woofrup 4th Edition. If you haven't had a chance to look at this yet, Cubicle 7 released it. The PDF for this, is this also through DriveThruRPG, Lance? Or was it just uh, yeah. off their website? Yeah, so the way they got it set up in DriveThruRPG is you can get it if you've purchased the... Uh, if you have a PDF through Drive-Thru of the 4th Edition core book, then it's attached to that. So if you don't, that's fine. You could still get it, which I'm going to ask you if you don't have the core book, why do you need the errata? But anyway, you yeah. can go to <laughs> Cubicle 7's website and download it there. And they have actually pictures posted too. So sure. it's actually, there's some pretty big changes. Have, yeah. have you, Pete, had a chance to look at that errata yet? I, t- I tell you what, I haven't, but I'm planning to do that uh, tomorrow or Monday. Because, and, and mainly because when I went on drive through RPG, it was down. Right. Yeah. Yep. That day it was. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I think everyone went on at the same time. Right. Uh, just as they were doing maintenance. <laughs> and it was like, oh, you've really timed this badly. Um, right. And then I've had a busy week. So I haven't had a lot of opportunity to, to sift through the stuff between editing and preparing for shows and stuff. It, it, sure. gets, a bit, it gets a bit crazy. Well, it's the errata is two pages uh, or one page front and back. It's very clear. It's very easy to read all of it. It'll tell you what chapter of the book the errata that that portion is related to. A lot of them are single sentences, right? So page 84 under villager skills, add dodge. Some of these are very simple. Yeah, I've just gone to their website. Yeah, and they've got it. You can actually read the whole thing on their website. It's really clear. Yeah, so a lot of them are are fairly simple, but there are some in here that are significant. Yes. Like beyond significant. Lance, so much so to where when we were talking about this over the phone, I'm pretty sure I heard you like scream. There was like yipping on the other end of the phone. I was like, they fixed bandages. (laughs) Yeah, so arguably the biggest one is that when you use a bandage now, instead of needing the heal skill, which is an advanced skill and not the easest to come across necessarily – you could just use right. dexterity to do that, right. which we, which, we that was a house right? roll for us anyway. Yeah. But yeah, we discussed that even, you know, if you're in a horrible situation, even the layman can, can understand to wrap, you know, a piece of cloth right. around a to... open wound. It's not, <laughs> they were not talking rocket <laughs> science here. Yeah. So they, they changed that the bleeding, uh, it, now your body can potentially fight off bleeding by itself. If you roll doubles during that text. Handy. Very handy, yep. considering yeah. bleeding. The, you know, there was a lot of discussion about bleeding when 
well, when and the I, book first came I out. I like the way they did this too, though, because it just removes one bleeding condition. So a lot of times when you get bleeding, if things are bad, you could potentially have two or three bleeding conditions, which is terrible. Bad news bears, right? So you roll that double, it just removes one. So it's not like, oh man, I have this giant chest wound, I'm bleeding out. Like, oh, it clotted. No, yeah. it's it's now a little less worse than it used to be, but still, it's it's very well done. It, this is, um, I, I was very happy to see that. I think that was the biggest one I saw. Well, besides the merchant, the mer- yeah, scheme. the merchant advanced scheme has changed a little bit. So weapon skill is no longer one of their basic skills or or. It wasn't entry level. Yeah, it wasn't on their tier one. Yeah, it moved to their tier four, which which is quite a jump. That's well, and it makes a lot of sense though because they they switched it and uh, I think fellowship, not fellowship, um, willpower, willpower Willpower around. It makes a lot of sense. We're not going to go through all of them or whatever, but just some of the stuff that we've kind of known about for a while, like war hammers and picks get slow. Um, leather skull cap gets partial. That's like obvious. I I was already saying that that would be the thing. They added a, a hat. They talked about hats, but didn't have like an entry for them. Yeah. You know. Another another one of the bigger ones, Petty Magic, was updated a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to sit down and reread that again. I've read it like four times and I wasn't entirely sure what they were getting at, but it was late. So, but yeah, it's it's very cool. Um, And just so we know, the FAQ, there is still an FAQ. So this is Zerata. This is not the FAQ. There is an additional FAQ document that the Cubicle 7 has said is going to be coming out later. So when you're going to see that information, I'm not entirely sure. But I know for sure things like they're going to talk about shields and different things that people keep bringing questions up about that um, obviously Cubicle 7 hasn't determined is an error, but it is something that they're going to clarify. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that document a lot. Yeah, me too. Are you talking about the offhand penalty shield issue? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's easy enough to house rule, but I think it's one of those yeah. things where if you like truly sit down and figure out how rules as written work, it can get really confusing mm. and not make sense. So, I, yeah, yeah. Anywho, um, I think uh, I think we're ready to move on to the main topic of our show, and and the main reason that uh, Pete has joined us today because uh, we're going to tackle perhaps the first question I saw hit the internet once 4th edition dropped. How do I convert my characters or my game to the new edition of Wolfrop? And like I said, bringing Pete on the show was no accident. On his Flint and Steel show, he actually tackled this very subject. They converted their 2nd edition characters to 4th and got to experience some of the joys and difficulties firsthand. So um, again, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to talk to you about um, some of these things here. Yeah, it was an interesting experience. For sure. Uh, it was interesting to mm-hmm. listen to. Uh, so, old worldlers, put away your abacus, lay down your square pegs and round holes, and turn off your calculators, because you won't have to be a supernumerant after we go over some tips, tricks, and tools for converting your character to fourth edition tonight on the Old World Podcast. All right, so we're going to review three different methods for converting your characters from first, second, and third edition up to fourth edition. We're going to talk about each method, how they're going to be different. Uh, specifically depending on the edition, the jump from second edition to fourth is not nearly as tricky as first edition or third edition, which we'll go over that. Uh, we also have some tools and tips and tricks to make it easier. Uh, specifically a lot of tools that you can find on our website, oldworldpodcast.com, and then click on the downloads tab. Um, and you can get there directly by oldworld or oldworldpodcast.com forward slash free stuff, free stuff, free stuff. 
yeah, there's actually going to be several files that we're going to talk about throughout the show tonight, and those tools will will help you out. So, can I just say up front, they're well worth getting their hands on. I, you know, I've had a look over what the guys have done, and the effort put into it, and kind of the thought gone into it is excellent. So definitely go to the free stuff and get your hands on it. It's it's great. Right, nice. And hey, uh, the overall goals here, or the goal I should say, is to convert your character. Guess how you would say faithfully, so it has the same feel or what your character was in the previous editions, uh, with their abilities and getting it over to the new fourth edition. And overall, these methods are just to help assist make the process as painless as possible, especially dealing with all the numbers and redoing it all. And so, before we really dig in here, the first thing I'm going to say is you need to ask yourself this question Do you even need to convert your character? I only mention this because. Maybe it's time to retire your character and enjoy the benefits of a new character in a new edition. You know, your group maybe could have one last hurrah in your current system and, and maybe have all your characters retire or much more appropriately, I think, die in an epic final session <laughs> before you close the previous edition books to move on to fourth. Obviously, we're doing this podcast about fourth edition. We actually think fourth edition is great. And and I'm going on record without any doubt saying I, I believe it's the best edition of, of Warhammer yet. Not to say the other editions aren't good. They're all good. Yeah. But but fourth is they've done a really good job. So having said all that, keep in mind there are no hard rules. In other words, whether you're the GM or the player, you need to be flexible when converting your character. If you're a player, work with your GM. If you're a GM, work with your players. The idea here is if you are going to convert your characters or even NPCs, a lot of these rules and stuff that we're talking about are suggestions and tips can be used to help convert NPCs over pretty easily as well. Just do what makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting process. I mean, on the show, before the filming of our show, I had a conversation with, our, with the players uh, to say, you know, we're going to recreate the characters because they were fair. We'd only done, you know, 13 two-hour sessions effectively so they were still fairly new characters um but i said to them up front you know they're not going to be exactly the same you're not going to necessarily be able to do every single thing that your previous character has sure yeah mm. and that you know some of them were oh hang on um but i want to be able to do that thing and it's like okay well we'll make sure we try and focus on that but you know bear in mind that some of the talents might not be there or there might be new restrictions on dwarf um, careers and things like that. So it's just interesting to, uh, if you're the GM, to have a think about that first to, to sort of say, right, what, what are these guys going to do or, or girls going to try and turn their characters in, most likely into? Is there something that's going to draw them in? Especially often the GM's the person who's bought the book and is helping everyone through the process. So it can be uh, a good thing to think about up front. Right. And, and maybe that's even kind of our first main tip is you know, when you are converting, it's probably a lot easier to choose that thing that you like what your character does now to make sure you have that. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I, if I know right. that I, my favorite thing about my character is he can talk his way out of any situation, then, you know, maybe you might not be in an exact same career or something like that to get you to where you, you want your character to be. So it has the same feel. So, right. Mm. Lawrence plays Torvald Rolfson, one of the, the dwarf brothers on the show. And his character was a cartographer, which is definitely not replicated in the same way in fourth edition. 
and I had to pick, I think, between uh, scholar and scout because there was a bit of mm-hmm. a, a bit of the skills in one and a bit of the talents in the other. And eventually, I, I went with scout for Torvald. I recommended that one because it had all the right things. He was going into exploring and map making and telescopes and getting out in the field and really using it as a guide out in the adventures rather than someone who was a bit more sort of stuffy and sitting behind a desk. So I felt that that was a better recommendation. And we, he still now, every time we do the intro in season two, he's like, I'm Torvald the Dwarf Scout. And I get a little look from him, but (laughs) it's replicated it in the right way. So, so that's, you know, something to bear in mind. For sure. And to be fair, fourth edition is still essentially hot off the press. Right. So, I mean, we have a lot more expansions and stuff to look forward to. I mean, Cubicle 7 is clearly stated that we have many more careers that are coming yeah. down the line. So I expect that, you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk to you about now, I mean, it may get a lot easier as time goes on, <clears throat> depending on when you listen mm. to the show. You listen to the show a year from now from when we put it out maybe the career that doesn't exist now will exist. Exactly. Yeah. The tools that we've developed are really meant to be a living document. So as the game progresses, we'll make sure to update it with, with new information. Um, so that, I guess we'll get onto the first method for converting your character, which is simply a straight XP conversion. So essentially you're going to create a new character using all the fourth edition rules and choosing the career that most closely resembles your starting career from the previous edition. So essentially you're just going to convert your XP from one to the other. Again, it's from second to fourth is really simple because you still are just getting like a hundred XP essentially per session, or, or I guess that's going to kind of depend, but the conversion there is, is quite simple. Whereas going from third edition or first edition, there's a, a much bigger difference between how XP is earned and spent in those systems. So some of the advantages that you're going to have doing it this method is that you're going to utilize all of the 4th edition character creation information, the rule set that's there. There shouldn't be a whole lot of balance issues necessarily, uh, and you won't need to create any new talents. So if there's a talent that you you had before that you really loved, you utilized all the time, you don't need to write that in. You're simply using the rules that are already there. Right. It's, I think the the big part of this this concept here is a straight XP conversion is, hey, if you as a player, I'm not going to invalidate, you know, the year and a half we've been playing this campaign. Or, or longer, right? Or In longer, a lot of cases, right? Yeah. But we're switching over to fourth and I'm not messing with the whole let's find something to fit. You can make whatever character you want. Let's just take whatever XP you've earned in this campaign and let's you can use that to create a new character i mean that's a whole concept here right there are some downsides though right Uh, so one of them being you may not be able to convert your character completely faithfully specifically if there's not the exact career from the edition that you play that's in fourth edition you're gonna have to find one that's gonna fit as close as you can you might be missing out on key skills or talents that you really feel define your character uh, and you can find yourself potentially without having enough XP to effectively create the, ca- the same character that you are used to playing. Right. And I imagine this is a problem that you ran into as well, Pete, like where I bet Absolutely. some of your players felt like I need more XP to get my character to where he was. Yeah. It, it's interesting because the emphasis is slightly different now, isn't it? I'll sort of default talk about second edition and it kind of translates to first a bit, but I think there's a slightly higher XP number in first edition, and I'm sure we'll cover that later. But um, 
what we found was that because the emphasis is now on pumping up your skills and you actually put more points into your skills and you spend experience in a different way to do that, I think we found that generally the characters are slightly less effective than they were previously, which is okay for us because as a actual play YouTube show, we kind of put lots of XP in there. So the characters, you know, it's only every two weeks we want the characters to advance. You know, so in, in a way it was good for me because it kind of brought them back down slightly. But I mean, a good example is uh, Jim's character, Hartwin. Uh, at the end of the first season in second edition, I think he was a targeteer and he had a ballistic skill of 77. So any ranged attack he made was, uh, he may have had a penalty with no specialist weapon groups and all that kind of thing, but he had 77 ballistic skill. Now in fourth edition, to get his bow skill because he's an archer first and foremost, comparable. We had to give get his ballistic skill to 47 and his bow to 30. It would be too expensive to put his ballistic skill up to 77. We wouldn't have been able to get there. So the only way we could achieve that was to make him specialise in the bow heavily, which is cheaper, to get there. So those kinds of subtle differences because of the way the characters are built as well, your experience will transfer over slightly differently. Right. And I actually, I think that does a beautiful job of illustrating the core difference in advancement in second edition versus fourth, right? Because second Mm -hmm. edition is very much um, advancement built built on characteristics. Sure, there are skills and different things, but it's all on characteristic where fourth edition is very, it's a combination. But as you said, it's much, much cheaper to increase a skills effectiveness than it is to increase a characteristic effectiveness. So, and, uh, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense too, because like that character Hartwin was really good at the bow. So it's nice that his ballistic skill is a certain amount, you know, for everything else, sling and so on. But when it comes to the bow, he still has those advancements there. So that worked out perfect. Yeah, it worked out from a logical point of view, but yeah, you know. Right. Players are players. Right. So <laughs> so that's the doubt. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the downside is, is he wanted to pick up a throwing knife, just randomly throw it at a 77 ballistic <laughs> skill, because that's what he used to have. But now right. he's only going to get that 40 something because exactly. he doesn't have the skill. Yeah, I, I, I see Bummer, where he's but... coming from. But, uh... <laughs> but he was never without his bow. So he's, you know. <laughs> so, well, so some of the tips, tricks and tools for this straight XP conversion. First off. The tools we were talking about on our website, you know, the oldworldpodcast.com slash free stuff. First off, there's an XP conversion tool on there. Uh, I believe it's an Excel file that we yeah. we have on our website there in our download section. So even if you just go to oldworldpodcast.com, go to the download section, there is a file there that is an Excel file. And it literally has XP conversion where you can select the, the system you want. You're going to fourth. And then, you know, there are little boxes down below that talk about the average XP per, on each system that will go towards that. In first edition, um, as you said, Pete, is a lot more fluid. There's a, how do I say this? There's a greater range of experience that you could be giving in that system uh, compared yeah. to second or fourth, I feel like. Second and fourth have kind of more of a, like a clearly laid out XP progression where first, I feel like in... And, and you can speak to this more. It feels like it's a lot more determinant on how the GM wanted to run the game. Yeah, yeah. I think it was still. I think back then, 
balance and the finer arts of games mastering were probably not as well figured out as they are today. You know, the, right. the balance between the rewards that you give out in each session and how that can be weighted heavily between different characters in early role-playing games is pretty stark, you know. Whereas now, there's a lot of sort of common rewards for groups of players, you know, milestone leveling, all that kind of thing that's sort of going on in role-playing games. So it's less of a swing from the extremes. Right. So we built the tool so that you can essentially enter in what your average XP that your your GM is awarding per session, and it'll convert it to what fourth should be. Yeah, basically, it's there's two drop-down menus. The first one is the edition that you're converting from. So if we're going from first edition to fourth edition, let's say that you'd earned 3,500 XP in first edition. That converts to 2,333 XP in fourth. Yeah. And that, that is using 150 XP per roughly per session. Right. So, and you can tweak those to what your group is doing. Um, so it's just yeah. a useful tool. Mess, the, mess with the numbers to, to make it work for your group. The other tool that we have that would specifically be helpful here would be what we call the career conversion tool. So what we have done is we put together some uh, PDFs that take your career for your current edition. So like if it's second edition, Targeteer, for example, we then give a suggested fourth edition career and fourth edition career tier as well. Yeah, that's really great. I really like that touch that you've done there where you've combined different tiers of different careers to replicate what's gone on in previous editions. It's brilliant. Now, I want to put a disclaimer on this too, that when we did this, we were looking primarily for feel. And so this can be subjective, right? So we feel that this particular career and career level is going to give you the same sort of feel that you would have gotten with your first edition, you know, character or your second or whatever it is. So again, it's very subjective, but if you are not sure where to start, I think this is a great tool as, especially like as a GM that's running this and your character goes, well, okay, I was a targeteer. What do I choose? Or, or the example you used earlier, right? Cartographer. What, what, what should I use for the cartographer? Well, at least there's a suggestion for you to start. Right. And then we also listed like whether we thought the suggestion was strong, I think strong, medium, or weak. Strong, weak, or average. Average, right. Yep. So it, so for cartographer, for example, did we, have we, scout? we, we just, yeah, we determined okay, that scout, scout or artisan. <laughs> and if it's an artisan, it would be a tier two artisan or a scout is a tier four explorer. Um, however, you did put that in as average. So I suppose there is yeah. possible that there's a better one out there. Right. But this, this tool, uh, Lance, that you put together is really, it's very thorough. Uh, so yeah. you know, I'm looking at the second edition to fourth edition conversion tool right now, and it has every single second edition career listed. Uh, well, not every. Well, maybe there are right. some. There are some like some of the we didn't do like the Skaven careers or the there are like some crazy careers in second. Like second edition has so many careers, like a familiar. You could be like you could literally create a character as a familiar. Like it, it, there's some tweaky rules and stuff in the different books sure. we did most of the main ones and and i did quite a bit so yeah there's there's for the second edition one there's four pages and uh you use the example of targeteer so targeteer would transfer to uh tier four hunter which is uh tier four is hunts master like you were saying lance this is a great place to start right it'll get sure you thinking is. about it it'll show you the careers that are close and then from there you can kind of make your own decision on it I think it's also a good place to start if you want to start making your own careers based off the old ones so that you could, 
if if you want to make your target tier and you recommend that tier and that career, you can go and look at that, base it primarily off that with the skills and talents there, and then maybe go and find a few others that you think you want to bring in and change just to make it really the target tier and separate. I can see this as a resource to generate new careers for fourth edition, not just conversion to the existing one. Sure, absolutely. I think the important thing to remember is it's a place for you to start. Don't take this as the gospel of what you need to do. These are meant to be helpful tools is all. So I guess in just a quick recap on this straight conversion here, the idea with this method is to stay within the rules of fourth edition. And remember, one last point or tip I will say is just remember that there are ways to spend experience to obtain skills or talents that are outside of your career. So you don't necessarily have to have your GM go, okay, well, your career doesn't have that skill, so you can't have it. Actually, there are rules built into fourth edition to let you get skills outside of your your career um, and talents as well. So you just got to, you know, take a look at the, the rule book or whatever, whether, and sometimes that might mean in between session stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's about being yeah, flexible. If, if, if you know on your, your previous adventures, there was some downtime in one, you know, one section, then you you know you've got a good reason that they may be picking skills outside of their career. Absolutely. And uh, that brings us to method two. Uh, That's just straight up a direct transfer. The idea here is that you take your character's current career, stats, skills, and talents, and find the direct conversion to fourth edition. And for some folks, that might be the easiest route, I would believe, you know, just finding out what you had before and and kind of finding out what it is in the newest edition here and just uh, taking that skill. But for the advantages, you know, like we were saying, depending on the character, uh, this may be the most faithful way to have your character represented in fourth edition, just solely because you can pick out what you had before and just find, you know, the the nearest talent or skill and just, you you know, my guy was great at this. I'm going to take that skill or talent and just straight up transfer. Uh, I was going to ask you, um, did that situation come up with your characters in the conversions? So there were one or two skills that we just decided that they should have. On a couple of occasions, it was a case of, I think, I think Torvald again, he got ranged bow and we just said, he's a dwarf. Why would he have a bow? You know, that's ranged crossbow. Right. You know, so there were some things oh, where we just yeah. said, okay, you can have that and you can have that. Unfortunately, we didn't give Alvin supernumerate again, which was kind of a, Are you serious? a running joke. I, I did not yeah, catch no, that. I know. No, I know. I think we. I might just sneak it back onto yeah. his character sheet. Pete, you need to correct that, buddy, because that is, yeah. is one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Alvin's like the stupid, impulsive bodyguard who, you know, can't read or write but he can walk into a room and tell you how many stones are on the, you know he could just count anything instantly and go yep that's 427 gold crowns you know so it was it was good fun yeah that was hilarious in some ways i think the direct transfer message like if you do it especially if you're trying to convert characters that are well along into their career in like for a second or third it's going to be the hardest to do. And especially for third edition, one of the problems that you have is third edition is so different. First and second have at least kind of a, uh, they're still both based on a D100 system. And that means that skills and talents are going to conform to a, 
in general, a certain concept of the way the game runs. Third edition is very different. So skills and talents in third edition are, they have like action cards and, and, a, and I am not super well-versed in third edition, but there are a lot of different ways that you can level your character up in those ways. And they do not always, probably not going to be a direct transfer. Like you, you might not be able to right. get the exact same skill. So you're going to have to, a third edition I think would be the hardest to do this with. But even second edition yeah. or first edition, you know, there are so many expansions to first and second edition. There could be some talent or skill that's that's there that just doesn't exist in fourth edition, or maybe it will later, but doesn't now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, direct transfer can be tough. And actually, yeah. that's one yeah. of the disadvantages of it. I think I kind of skipped ahead on you, Steve. <laughs> no, hey, that, that's what I was about to say. Those are kind of the disadvantages. Like I said, uh, it might be extremely difficult to find that one skill that, that you had just, that just isn't in fourth edition. So you and your GM uh, might be forced to create a new skill or talent, which that'd be interesting to make your own talent or skill. I, I know we haven't done it yet, but. Hmm. Well, I had one other thing. One of the big things that the guys had in my players who converted to fourth edition because Sam joined after that. So she's created her character Morgan in fourth edition. So that's, that's separate, but all the others, there was a lot of maths involved. They had 1600 experience points each to spend on their characters. And the painful looks I got when they were like, where's the table that tells me how many points it costs once I've reached a certain number of advances in a skill for this and that and I kind of did a little cheat sheet where I summed up for them just so they could quickly see how much it costs you to put something up by five because it's all in increments of five. Oh yeah that's um, right that's how so that if you've got if you've got 16 or 2,333 experience points you know you can go ah 50 points will get me five advances in the skill you know and then the next five will be 65 points you know or whatever 75 points or whatever it is right just so you can kind of hop skip and jump over some of those little sums that are going on in between that yeah. kind of just bog things down a bit that's a really good idea actually yeah well that brings us to some of the other tips tricks and tools so characteristic conversion is likely going to be one of the more tricky things to do here uh, like lance had already said each edition has a different number of characteristics that are are quite a bit different from each other Specifically, again, like you'd already said, third edition has very few compared to a lot of the other editions that or the other editions that have been released so far. So we really have to look at this as tricks for first and second edition and then tricks for third edition because they are they are so different. So for first and second edition, you can basically figure out what your 2D10 roll was for your initial stat and then use that roll with the fourth edition characteristic. And you'd use the, like the base random roll that you had from first or second edition. So as an example, if you're converting a first edition elf, the starting intelligence is uh, in first edition is 2d10 plus 40. So if your starting intellect, or is, uh, I'm sorry, intelligence was 52, then you know that your base roll was 12. Applying the same base roll to the fourth edition elf uh, intelligence of 2d10 plus 30 would give you 42 for your converted intelligence characteristic. So that works really great um, for anybody who's converting from first or second edition. However, there are a few that don't have straight conversions. So in order to keep the feel for that character, you may not simply want to 
uh, roll up these stats. Yeah, and this is a part where Pete came up with this elegant solution, and I, I like totally stole this from you, Pete. So Pete, <laughs> Pete at Garblag Games, I don't know if you were the first person to do it, but you're the first person that I heard do it. So, and I, I should preface here too. I don't know. At this point, we're getting pretty crunchy, right? In the in the way that we're telling you to convert your character here, and I just want to s- straight up say we actually have a characteristic converter as part of our tools. You can literally click on the tab for first, second, or third, punch in what your characteristic stat line is. Yeah. Well, you pick your race too. That way. You oh get yeah, your race. Yep. yep. And then it will generate a stat block for you based on those stats for fourth edition. So all of the stuff we're going over, and we're going to go over it more in detail. So like, I mean, I I just would hate for you to furiously be writing notes as we're trying to do this and like, oh, that's kind of confusing. (laughs) We had a computer. You've done all the maths, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had a computer do all the math for you. So this is where you don't have to be a supernumerate in real life (laughs) if you don't want to be. Yep. Just go to oldworldpodcast.com slash free stuff. And download all these tools. Right. They, so they will make this process much easier than, you know, having all your books out in front of you and trying to figure it out yourself. Right. So the thing that Pete did, so I kind of got us off trap here. So the thing that Pete did, and I think you were just going to go over that, like how to get those characteristics in first and second edition or in fourth edition that don't necessarily exist in first or second edition. Pete, why don't you, you yeah, take why it? Don't, yeah. yeah, why don't you take it away, Pete? I like that. Oh, okay. Well, um, I remember when the release came out from Cubicle 7, the uh, the stat line that was going to be uh, agility and dexterity. And that was kind of one of the big ones where everyone was saying, why is there agility and dexterity? And the example given was a dwarf won't be very agile, but they are master craftsmen and great with their hands. So they'll have a great dexterity. And that kind of spawned the idea to just use the base role of your agility for or dexterity uh, as well, uh, which is kind of simple. You know, let's not re-roll, and it may not be representative of how your character's been behaving so far. Let's use that new base and have that extra benefit on your dexterity. That's which kind is of the main one. It's yeah, but it's ingenious because you, if you think about it, there was a lot of discussion when that article went up from Cubicle Seven before Fourth Edition mm-hmm. was released. When they said, "Here's your stat block," it's, it's perfect because. One of the arguments you had is exactly what you're talking about, right? The dwarf who is leaping about the battlefield leaps and bounds because he has an amazing agility because I wanted to build a dwarf that could craft an amazing handgun or sword or a runesmith, right? Or however you're going to do that. But how, you know, how do we convert that agility to the new system and it's you just use the base role and the new system tells you what your rolling is based off of so ingenious Pete, i love yeah, that and I th- <laughs> we did i think we did the same for initiative on most of the characters i think a couple of them just rolled they were just getting on with it and just kind of rolled a new stat but i said i think you can use you know you can use your agility as the base or or they rolled i can't remember who did what i'd have to go back and watch it again Right. And to be fair, I mean, there's no, again, there's no wrong way to do it. It's whatever, you know, the GM and the players decide works. So if you're like, oh, I'll just convert them over. And then if it doesn't exist, I'll just roll up a new stat. That works too. Right. Yeah. So, right. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say from first edition, obviously they had followed that through from the Warhammer Fantasy Battles. So you'll have stats like strength and toughness, which are just single digit. 
that you'll need to multiply up uh, and use that figure. Potentially, you could just multiply by 10 to get that up to your, your new number for your fourth edition character. Or you could, you could re-roll if you want to, uh, if you want to get something other than an even number for every character, you know, a, a number with a zero on the end for every character. Right. But, um, that's the other one. Right, right. Actually, and this is something I think you mentioned kind of before the show in some of our back and forth was characteristic stats for first edition include leadership and cool. In, in our converter tool, uh, I'll be straight up, those stats literally mean nothing. Um, they're not going to affect your fourth edition stat block at all. Now, I, I would say, me as a GM, that's fine, but I would argue that those should directly affect the skill, cool, and the leadership skill in fourth edition, so you should take those into account. That's kind of what I was thinking. I've had a thought on that. Okay. What you could do, and it starts to get a little bit more crunchy, is I think leadership and fellowship kind of pair up and cool and coolness and willpower pair up. And what you could do is if you want to do a bit more sums is get the average of your leadership and fellowship and the mm. average of your coolness and your oh, willpower yeah. and use okay. those figures for your fellowship and your willpower for your new character, because they'll trace down into your cool and leadership skills. Right. That's absolutely true. That's a great idea. I like that. I should have, I should have talked to him before I did that converter. <laughs> so, no, that's yeah. yeah. That is, a, I mean, they are similar, right? And they they do kind of feed off each other, and that that ties in, Lance, what you were saying, how it's going to affect that skill, although there's not the characteristic for that. So, yeah, that is a good way of doing it as well. Awesome. So, none of what we just talked about is going to work for third edition. So. So um, third edition is its own bear. So if you've played third edition, you obviously know that it's a proprietary dice system, uh, which I actually love. It's, uh, it's the Star Wars system was based on uh, the Warhammer system. And, and I love the Star Wars system. I've gone back and, and looked at the uh, third edition system. Right. But the character also now known as the Genesis system. The Genesis that's, system. Yeah. that's the right official title for it now. Right. So like the Star Wars was a precursor for Genesis and Warhammer was a precursor for Star Wars Correct. with that dice system, yeah. So there are only six characteristics, and they're single digits. Generally speaking, you're not going to have a starting characteristic at character creation for above three, on a rare occasion four, I think. It is very, very different. Converting this, again, our converter does this for you, but... The subtleties provided by 4th edition generally multiply the characteristic by 10 and then add 10, and it'll get to your average. So if you think about it, the average human stat block in 3rd edition is all 2s, right? And that is kind of where you start as for average. And But your average stat block in 4th edition for a human is all 30s, right? So the easiest way to get from here to there is to multiply by 10 and then add 10 obviously most you have several things that are straightforward right um but there does not exist a lot of um the characteristics like weapon skill ballistic, ballistic skill, skill initiative yeah. dexterity those don't exist again stealing from pete's playbook Ooh, i like that pete's playbook pete you got to use hey. that buddy there we go. oh yeah that's like a new show segment for you uh, we just hang pete's on. Playbook. You just ma- you've just uh made a new show for me I- oh man brilliant Pete's playbook. I love that's that's good. Anyway, 
Yeah, anyway, so just like you derive dexterity in like a second edition to fourth edition, you could derive the same thing. Use strength to derive your weapon skill. Use agility to derive your ballistic skill, your initiative and dexterity. You can use those stats to get your new stats, if that makes sense. Anyway, so use your, for example, weapon skill using your strength. Use whatever your strength is in third edition and convert it and use that number to become your weapon skill as well. This means that your stat block from a direct conversion from third edition to fourth edition, all of your your numbers are going to be, uh, like Pete said, the evens. They're all going to end in zeros, right? So obviously you could just randomize those if you wanted to get them a little flavor. But there is another way that you can do this, and it's a lot more complicated to translate your characteristics to fourth, which is you can use the fourth edition random characteristic generation and then remove the random dice part. So instead of 2d10 plus 20, just make it 20. And then you can add 10% to that base for every increase that you applied in your third edition character beyond the default race characteristic. So for example, and I'm going to give an example, and again, this is getting really crunchy. And if you don't have a third, if you've never played third edition, this is going to mean nothing to you. But in third edition, a human's default intelligence is two. So if your character's intelligence when you're getting ready to convert is a four, then due to a combination to career advancement and creation points, then you have increased that characteristic from two, uh, two to four by two. Um, this would mean that you would add 20% on the default fourth edition characteristic of 20, giving you a 40. So at that point, you could then add 2d10 to this as per the normal character creation in fourth edition to get you your random result. Again, my recommendation is just plug your numbers into the character uh, characteristic conversion tool if you're going to do this it'll give you a base and then you and your gm decide if that's going to work or if you want to do something different and that brings us to fate and resilience overall usually it's a direct conversion for first and second edition we would of course always recommend using the fourth edition chart to determine how much resilience to give your character for example if you have three fate for a human uh, then give your character three resilience and usually for third edition, since it's so different, we would suggest simply using the fourth edition character creation to determine the fate and resilience. And of course, in the rule book, that's on page 33 at the bottom. And that's pretty much straightforward. I mean, if you had like uh, three fate in first, first edition, uh, you know, speak with your GM, but usually that just converts to three right. fate for, for the day. Yep. Yeah. You made a made a good point that we've talked about through this whole episode. This this has always got to be a, a conversation between you and your GM, right? You guys decide, you know, whoever's sitting there, players decide, GM decides what's going to be best. So with career conversion again, like we've always we've already talked about, find the career that closest fits the character that you're converting from and you can absolutely go online, use the tools that we've created. I also want to mention that we like I'd already said a little bit, this is a living document. So if there's something that that we missed uh, that is a, a clearly a better option or a better fit. Let us know. We can update this so that it's, it's better for everybody. Uh, moving on to skills and talents. Again, this is sometimes straightforward. If the talent and skill exists from the career that you're, or the addition you're coming from to the career you're coming to, that's honestly where the balance will suffer. If there's not one of those skills or talents that's already there, because they often won't d- directly convert from one to another. Uh, in addition, sometimes a creature trait may fit in for a skill or talent that doesn't seem to fit. 
if it doesn't have a fourth edition equivalent. Yeah, I, I actually added that point to the show notes as almost an afterthought, but really, like when you think about it in fourth edition, right, halflings are small. That small rule is a creature trait. It's not actually a skill or a talent or, or a special rule within within the core rules. Right, it's exactly. a creature trait. So when you're looking to, all right, what skill best fits whatever skill I'm trying to convert, um, don't forget the back of that book. You have a list of creature traits that might very well fit the bill better than any skill or talent you can find. And I, I will point. say, yeah, and I will say third edition, again, is going to be one of your hardest ones to do on this. First and second will be easier. And in many cases, you'll see the same names, right? Skills and talents will often contain the same name when going from one edition to another. Um, there's a lot of familiarity there. But in a, in a lot of ways, if that career or skill doesn't exist for you, this just became, you know, oh, it's easy. I'm just going to directly convert this character. Now it's become, okay, now I'm going to have to either make something up or, you know. So this this is easy if it's there. And if it's not, you got some work. Yeah, it can be kind of tricky. Yeah. And uh, that brings us to method three, the hybrid method. Uh, basically, you're using a combination of direct and XP conversion. Uh, generally, this means directly converting your characteristics and then using your experience points and career conversion uh, to attempt to bring your character naturally through the advancement process to make them as close to your previous edition's character as you can. Um, the idea is to keep the feel uh, what your character was with as few outside rules allotments as possible. Um, not too many tweaks, but just to kind of streamline it. Overall, for advantages, you basically gain the advantages of direct conversion in regards to the overall feel of your character. So hybrid, of course, you can choose when to use experience or when to use your skill. Sometimes you might not work for the fourth edition, you know, with experience points wise to get that that skill that you were used to using in your first or second edition characters. And overall, it keeps a balance uh, by follow by following the advancement path to, you know, if you use the experience points more. Right. And, and guys thoughts. Yeah. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but this is essentially what you did. You kind of did a, a hybrid version. Yep. Right. Absolutely. I think. We were very close to direct XP conversion, but we sort of blurred the lines a little bit into hybrid because, I mean, as I said, things like um, range bow uh, for range crossbow and, uh, and other things like that. Don't stick too hard and really sort of punish yourself. If there's one or right. two little gives that you can do, then do them to give that feel for the character. Don't rewrite everything if you're trying to really recreate fourth edition characters, but have, right. a, have a little bit of space. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're, we're, this is a game, right? We're all playing a game to have fun. And if you can't create a character, you know, if you loved your character in second edition or third edition, and once you convert it over, you're, you're having a terrible time in fourth edition, then make those changes, right? Whether they're inside the rules or outside the rules, make it to where you're having fun. If you're not having fun, then really defeats the whole purpose. Absolutely. Right. So some of the disadvantages you might have with the hybrid method, these aren't too far off from the disadvantages of all the other uh, methods that we've discussed on here. You can find yourself not having enough XP to create the same character. You may not feel like your character has been transferred over faithfully, missing this, the key skills and talents that aren't there, whether they're not there now or they may come in the future. 
I, I say it, I feel like the hybrid really is about trying to take the other two options and get as many of the advantages with as few as the disadvantages as possible. Right. And and it's it's almost like if you're using the hybrid, you might treat each character that you're converting differently, right? Like so and and I got a sense you kind of did that with your conversion too, Pete. Like what well, some of your yep. conversions were very easy because it was just like you didn't have to make a lot of changes. It right. converted very quickly, easily. You've got a peddler becomes mm-hmm. a peddler. Easy. Right. That mm-hmm. you know, you're right there. Right. But then other other characters were a little more work. And mostly because, well, this career doesn't exactly fit in the same way. You really put your your experience into this in second edition and that's not gonna easily translate over here. So Right. Mm. Yeah. Just just be careful what you bend the rules on because one example was Bagrick, the closest career to what he'd been before was the guard. The guard couldn't get strength advancements until tier three. And Roger moaned about that after every episode. No, no. Um, <laughs> he, um, he wasn't very happy about that to begin with, but he got over it. Uh, and Bagrick's a machine anyway, so it's not like he's having any right. problems in combat. Yeah. Um, but now, he's, if, when you watch or listen to the new episode, he's very happy because he just got to put his strength up because he's tier three. So awesome. there's those kinds of things as well that you may not want to break the career to allow right. something that happened before. So just, just be careful. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Bagrick was a, a shield breaker in second edition, right? Yes. So, yes. so, and I think that there's a perfect example of a career that fourth edition doesn't really have yet. Um, I expect that we'll get a shield breaker career or something similar when we maybe get more dwarf focused careers in a future expansion. I think, Absolutely. yeah, I think this is a perfect example of something that just fourth edition isn't there yet. So, yeah, uh, he, I mean, we we were trying to choose between soldier and guard, and some of the soldier skills and talents just weren't uh, right for the feel of Bagric. So he went for guard. It's interesting to see what the balancing of the stat line advances through the tiers. And how that impacts how effective you are in combat if you are a combat, like the warrior class um, or the ranger class, when you get certain advances, really impacts your character. So have a have a look at that as well. That, yeah, kind of. That's a really good point. I, I really, I think when we did our uh, episode where we talked about the rat catcher, I really drove it home for me, like how your career can have a massive impact on if you want to be super effective in combat quickly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. So some of the uh, tips, tricks and tools for this, uh, the hybrid edition or the hybrid method, something to keep in mind, Pete, you mentioned this not to, uh, you know, you may need to do a special allowance in order to get a character access to a skill or talent, but limit that because the more you do that, the less balanced the character is going to be. Uh, and as far as the tools, uh, it's the same as what we've talked about. And I know that we're really, we're really talking a lot about these tools that we've developed um, it's something that we're really proud of. Um, we've put a lot of time, Lance, you especially, into making these to where they're user-friendly and efficient and useful. So we hope that you can get on there, download these, and implement them in your sessions. Right. But don't let a tool dictate what you're going to do. Ultimately, I mean, you're, you as a GM are going to have to make ultimate decisions on everything. Um, just like you always right. have to. My my recommendation is just try to get the feel, and and maybe maybe that's kind of a good place mm-hmm. for us to kind of go over into our recaps and thoughts on conversion. 
because when when I look at character conversion, just not just characters, but NPCs as well, right? You can use a lot of what we talked about of taking your, you know, get an adventure and you need to convert some NPCs. I mean, what we've talked about here is is a great way for you to do that and probably a heck of a lot simpler than a character, a PC. But mm. the ultimate goal here, I feel, should be to get the feel, right? Your player should feel mostly like the character that he's playing before feels like the player, the character is now. Or or if not that, to your point, Steve, that they're having, or I guess Matt, that, that they're having fun. Right. Yeah. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, see, I would agree with you on the feel front. The The thing about Warhammer for me has always been the setting is very um, absorbing. You really get into it. You kind of feel it, it's got its own life, you know. And I think to ensure you've got that replicated is great um, and, and focus on what makes your character your character, not all of the little details because you'll get sort of hung up on every last point of experience, I would say get ready to do some math and have your little cheat sheet of your jumping brackets of five on everything because that's important for your advancement and spending lots of experience in one go. The only other thing I realized today is that you couldn't play a halfling in the third edition starter pack, which I was I was stunned when I found that out. Yeah, I actually, when I originally sent the file to you, I didn't have a halfling in there because I had no idea what their starting statistics were because I own the core for third, but yeah. it's not in it. So I actually, someone on Discord was kind enough to give me those because after you made that point, I'm like, ah, we really should try to get them in there. So I got it and I added it to the converter. Well, I think kind of my final thoughts here, the hybrid system definitely seems like the way to go. You're going to get the get the best of both worlds. Or unless you know your your second edition or first or third edition character transfers over really easily, the hybrid is going to be the way that that I think most people are going to find that by the end of it, their character is going to feel the the best, right? The most similar the to what it was before. And see, that's the thing because I think the the XP conversion is the easiest way, right? Just create a fourth edition character. Here's your XP. Just try to make it work, right? I think that's the e- quote unquote easiest way, right? Because you just stay within the rules. But I feel like the danger of not getting a character that feels the same is too great. And that's why you got to go with uh, the hybrid. I think um, if you're also converting a wizard character from first edition to fourth edition, you're going to have to do a bit more work. Oh, yeah. Your, you know, oh, yeah. your magic's different. You've not got magic points. You've got to think about magic in a different way. And you've now got all the schools, the colleges of magic versus sort of battle magic illusionists elementalists and necromancers or whatever they had um and demonologists that was the other one yeah um you know so you 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 can have a bit more work to do there so you know give them a bit of leeway let them read through the magic section a few times to see what what they think the closest type of magic will be to their old character or how they want to go with it Right. And to be fair, fourth edition has already shown that those types of things exist. It's still, they're not ignoring them. Um, it's just, I think we're looking at expansions, right? We don't have that stuff in oh, the yeah. core set. So yeah, I, yeah. I, hopefully in time, converting a, a wizard character is going to be a lot easier. But I agree with yeah, you. It's going to be tough to say, right definitely, now. Definitely in the future, you know, we all know that, of course, they're going to expand on magic. Definitely, I think right now the choices, you know, for the converting to a wizard in this edition i'm not saying are limited but 
might not have the extensive background of the early, earlier editions right now, if that makes sense. For yeah, spells absolutely. that they had back yeah. in the past editions, they might not be able to have yet. So that's got to be tough too right now. Yeah, I imagine yeah. we're recording this in February of 2019. If you're listening to it in February of 2021, there's going to be supplement <laughs> books out that are going to invalidate so much of what we're talking about. Man, we, we, yeah. we tend to make a if lot of episodes tenth... that'll invalidate themselves, don't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> if on the 10th anniversary of the Old World podcast, you know, you're listening back to this episode, <laughs> then uh, write in to the guys and let them know how different it really is. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I guess uh, I'll give my final thoughts on this. Oh, overall, I think for players converting their characters, uh, try to make it as stress-free as possible. It's not meant to be a you know a job, so have fun with it. Um, I agree with Matt. Um, the hybrid, I believe, is kind of like the best route because you can do the experience part, but no matter what, you're still not might not have the exact skills or the career choice to directly match up with what you had. So you're going to have to have that wiggle room to play around, uh, speak with your GM, see what you can do, what you can get to kind of get that feel that you had before. So, you you know, it's a game of math, but also of doing what you need uh, within the boundaries, but not going too far out the boundaries. Agreed. Well said. I think that's a wrap. Uh, Thank you, Pete, for helping us tackle this important topic and to gab about Warhammer in, in general. Before we go, something that's almost, uh, a, I think we could call it a tradition or it will become a tradition. Uh, we have one more question to ask. Uh, I think all of our listeners might be curious to hear this. Pete, can you tell us one of your favorite experiences you've had in a Wolfrup game? Sure. Uh, before I do, I love the fact you guys now have are correctly calling it Wolfrup, by the way, just to, uh, just to let you know. I, I still um, fall into old <laughs> habits. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because when I started listening to you guys and you're saying WFRP, I was like, what? Uh, but anyway, we won't open that can of <laughs> yeah, fish again. Anyway. That can of worms has been opened many times. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had so much fun playing Warmath Fancy Roleplay over the years, you know, th- three out of four editions. Um, I think one of the most memorable ones was in season one of Flint and Steel. Yes, another plug. Uh, Kevin joined... Uh, our game a bit late he plays Siegbert who started off as a kind of drunkard noble and then found God and is now a warrior priest of Sigma but in like his first session he was sort of uh, someone had sent him along to help the party out and they went to an abandoned temple and they got in a fight and he sort of thought oh I better sort of join in just to make myself not look completely useless so (laughs) He kind of attacked one uh, bandit who who jumped out from behind a wall, and he rolled. He successfully hit, and he rolled a ten on damage, and then another ten, and another, and another, and another. And it's just this crazy moment. It's on our show. You can go go and watch it. Uh, he rolled. He did fifty six points of damage in one hit. My goodness, to this guy, and. Just Swiss cheesed him like, and it's like, oh, I had to describe something rather elaborate and visceral. And it was so good. I named the episode Sex and Fumzig to honor that moment. It was just, it was really good. I mean, 
people should go back and I mean if you haven't watched Flint and Steel please go back and watch the show because we have a lot of fun making it and I think that comes across when we're playing it it gets a bit raucous sometimes yeah I just um, re-listened to that episode actually it's episode six by the way listeners okay. if you're gonna go go listen season one episode six of Flint and Steel go check it out yeah it's, I think that's good. like followed on by episodes with titles such as pirouette of blood and uh other things like that so uh, only, only more hammer when really have a title that yeah, oh, yeah exactly 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah i mean that was amazing as you know so awesome well i uh i think that's the end of our show tonight thank you old worlders for joining us and thank you pete for joining us uh we all we hope that you guys found that this episode Uh, helpful insightful i hope that you find the tips and tricks and the tools that we're providing for you guys uh useful and i hope you can get your conversion on and that it goes well for you and let us know how it goes on our next episode we have a few different show topic ideas in the can uh we're not entirely sure which one is going to come up yet there we have a few irons in the fire so to speak so be sure to watch our twitter and uh, we're going to talk about all those different social media things in just a second so you you'll find out what we're going to be talking about next but it is coming soon so intrepid listeners keep in touch let us know your questions feedback and even show topic suggestions Uh, you can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com twitter at oldworldpodcast.com and Facebook, facebook.com forward slash old world podcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help us support the show and get some cool rewards too. Check us out at patreon.com slash old world podcast. Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. While we're at it, Pete, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and Garblag Games? Well, first and foremost, we have the YouTube channel, which is where it all started. I think we're nearly three years in, but I don't count the first year. That was all That was all tester. Uh, we're currently playing uh, Wifrup, Scion, and Star Trek. We had a Mage Chronicle just finished, and D&D and Dark Heresy games coming up very soon. We have a Patreon as well, and that's focused on making maps, uh, turning those into adventures, and then we kind of use them on the show, give them out to our patrons. All the money we get from that, we put back into the channel. We've got uh, all the new sound equipment, all the new uh, sound installation on the walls. Everything you see on the show comes from our patrons. They're awesome. Um, Obviously, we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. As uh, Lance mentioned earlier on, we have a podcast as well where I slowly and intermittently transfer video into audio and put it on there, and we've got a Discord. And uh, you can get some merchandise on Redbubble. We've got some carrot sheets on throw pillows if you want those. And you can get a Flint and Steel mug with the logo that was created by a good friend of mine called Bob or at PencilWrite on Twitter and elsewhere. And it's a great little logo with a skull and warhammers and swords and flames and all kinds of stuff. It's great. Basically, if you go somewhere and search Garblag, G-A-R-B-L-A-G, you'll find us because no one else has used that name. Garblag Games found on all social media sites everywhere. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how you do it, man. I, I can hardly maintain like the three that we're actually active in. So. 
Yeah, I'm going slowly insane, but uh, you know, it's worth it. It's good fun, uh, and uh, you know, making connections with you, you guys and all the other people in the community is just fantastic. And you know, thank you for having me on. It's been great chatting with you guys and talking about something that's very dear to my heart, which is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Awesome. Well, it's glad to have you. And, and speaking of maps too, I do want to mention. Um, I think uh, you and I might need to still just discuss final details and make sure you're good with it. But, man, I still want to use that mountain pass map for one of our games. Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. I'm working on the tower levels right now. Yeah, I already have so much nastiness planned for my guys. So, and my guys <laughs> and girls. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I guess uh, with that, we'll we'll say goodbye and goodnight. So... This is Lance saying goodnight, and may your GM have kindness in their heart when they decide how to convert your healing skill. This is Matt. Don't forget to check out your local toy shows. You never know what you might find. You might end up walking out with a pristine copy of Warhammer 1st Edition. This is Steve saying goodnight, and remember there's plenty of fire even in the coldest flint. And this is Pete, warning you that no matter how hard you try, your fourth edition dwarf just can't learn battle magic spells anymore. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.